welcome to Here to Thrive. I'm your host, Kate Snowwise. This is a podcast for people who are ready to step up and live a happier life. It's for those of us who are dedicated to understanding ourselves and getting the best that we can out of this thing called life. It's a mix of psychology and modern spiritual thought, always with a focus on practical advice so that you can take it back and apply it to your own life. I don't believe we're here to merely survive. I truly believe we're here to thrive. So let's get going. This week on the podcast, I'm talking to Amber Liliestrom. She's the Soul Fueled CEO, a mama and business coach that's had to make some bold moves in life to get to where she is today. In this episode, we talk about the personal awakening that led to her recognizing her full potential, how you can know when you're ready to make a bold career move, the importance of trusting that you're always being guided, why it is essential that you know yourself well, and how to tune into your soul and hear what it needs. I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed talking with Amber. Amber, if you could just start, thank you first of all for being here with me, but if you could just start by telling me a little bit about your journey and how you ended up as the Soul Fuel CEO. Oh my gosh, it sounds so cool to be asked that question. It is um, a pretty cool you. title. I, yeah. I do very much like the Soul Fuel CEO. Thank you, Kate. And thank you so much for having me here today. I'm so thrilled to share with your audience and to connect with you. So um, I was, I mean, the, the, the story really starts all the way back when I was nine years old and I was an entrepreneur um, in a very sort of quirky way. My mom um, decided around that time that she wanted to start a little business with me. And that business was showing and breeding Himalayan and Persian cats. And so of all things, we are the crazy cat ladies. So I'll just be clear about that. We only have one cat right now, though I will clarify. Um, <laughs> but we showed these beautiful, these beautiful cats. And um, in that time, I really just I loved it. I learned how to speak publicly. I learned how to um, do contracts and sell and sell these these beautiful, precious little animals that were my family to to other families. And I learned about people and personalities and dynamics and being, you know, hanging out with adults and all of these things. And so it really was a, a cool learning opportunity, which I guess my mom had sort of thought of all along, but I didn't realize at the time I was just having fun with it. And we traveled all over the place. And um, in addition to it, which which is so funny to reflect back on, I was just sharing this in a webinar recently. Um, I designed the logo for our, for the company name, which was called Radzikat's Cattery because my maiden name was Radzovich. And so we had Radzikat's Cattery and I hand drew this logo. My dad had it turned into a business card and it was like, I was so proud of myself. I brought it to school and showed it to my teachers and everybody. And, um, I learned how to design the website from there when I was a teenager. And I just learned how to do all these things. And it was all self-taught because my mom didn't know how, and I knew it was going to help us position our business in a better way. And with the internet and all that, I just self-taught. And so I, I look back on all those experiences and I realized that, you know, those were, those were the early days for me as an entrepreneur. And, and it continued on. Um, when I, I got my career, I was a division one soccer player. 
I was very connected in my athletic department at the University of New Hampshire. I was a student leader um, in on campus and I interviewed for a job after graduating um, and I and I got it. It was the marketing coordinator position in the athletic department. And so I remember looking at that job description and seeing you know, it was it was a full page and had about a million things on it. And probably I would say 75% of those things I had no idea how to do. I had no idea that there were three periods in a hockey game. I didn't even know that. Um, I felt, you know, I just kind of like brailed my way through it, but I knew that I could learn, you know, I knew that I was teachable and I was excited. And so those two things were the most important parts of it. I was passionate. I was a good leader and I was really resourceful. And I think that that spirit um, is the entrepreneurial spirit. And that has been with me all the days of my life. And so whenever a challenge has been put in front of me, whether that was then 10 years after taking that job, walking away from my career to launch my coaching business and to be home with my daughter full time, um, whether it was throughout these two years plus of being an entrepreneur, launching programs and increasing my prices and offering even, you know, bigger packages to my clients and helping them transform and take huge leaps in their lives and their journeys. Um, I've just taken one step at a time and learned how to do it and trusted myself that I would figure it out along the way. And that I didn't have to have all the steps plotted because that's, that's the most important part is the journey of figuring out what works for you and what doesn't and, and getting those experiences because ultimately that is all the stuff that I teach now. It's everything that I've learned on that journey. That is what I'm sharing with others. And so it's this big, beautiful gift. And I think if we can slow down enough to realize that and, and instead of freaking out and panicking, we learn how to just trust ourselves in our intuition. And, and we'll expound upon that, I'm sure today. Um, that's, that has really been the, that has been my compass, I think, on this journey. I love that. I love that you, like you said, that you have that sort of soul compass. And I'm sure we will talk about that as we go on. I just want to talk about your journey from corporate into creating your own business. Because a little while back, I read about that journey for you and one of your posts online. And you talk about having your daughter. And I would just love if you could share that story and what kind of happened in that period of your life um, to make you sort of leap out and do your own thing. Yeah, thanks for asking. So um, it had been it had been sort of boiling beneath the surface, maybe simmering a bit before I got pregnant. And I, I had gotten into a competitive fitness journey a few years before that. And I think that in that time, I really tapped into this personal development journey in a bigger way than ever before. I was pushing myself past limits. And I had always done that, especially, you know, at nine years old saying, I knew that the only way I was going to be able to get to college was by getting a college scholarship for one of the sports that I played. And so I made this choice at such a young age. And it was like, this was this, this like thing that I knew I had to do and I did it and I made it happen. And, um, and so I always had that within me, but it was like, when I became a competitive fitness athlete, it took it to another level. And I was around a lot of other people who are very interested in personal development and growth and all of that expansion. And so I had started blogging at that point and putting myself out there and sharing my journey. And people were really starting to feel inspired by what I was sharing and they're really connecting with it. And I was using the, using Facebook and the internet to share that, that, um, inspiration. And, so I knew I wanted to do something more, but I had zero idea how, no clue whatsoever. It was like, how would I translate this corporate career? I'm into branding and marketing and teaching. I taught at the university as well. Um, but how do I turn that into a brand or something that I could actually sell, you know, and be very successful with? And so, you know, 
the the process in between I, I got pregnant and um we're so thrilled and what a blessing and my pregnancy wasn't easy I was really railing against myself for most of it and um, really just bumping up against my own resistance of perfectionism and control and wanting to be have things be a certain way and being pregnant as we know there's zero control over what's going to happen there was one one point where I was put on modified bed rest and it was probably like one of the worst weeks of my life because I couldn't leave my house I couldn't do anything it was like I had this huge job that everyone was relying on me and all of a sudden I wasn't even allowed to go to work and so it was this, it was a real reality check for me because my reaction to that was total freak out mode. And that was not how I wanted to be living my life as a mom. And I started getting really clear on what I wanted my life to look like as a parent and as a mom. And I, I, while I was pregnant, it, that wasn't what I wanted it to look like. You know, I, I knew that that wasn't going to be possible or sustainable for the, the mother that I wanted to be to our little girl. And so, um, long story short, I, went into labor on August 29th. I drove myself to the hospital because I went into such spontaneous labor and uh, got there and everything was really like going as it should. You know, I was literally in labor, full labor um, when I arrived. And so um, things kind of proceeded, but they they just weren't going as the doctors had hoped. And so I ended up having an emergency C-section because her heart rate was compromised and I was starting to not, I was starting to get sick. I had pushed for about four hours and Um, and it just, nothing was really progressing. And so she was face up and she wasn't coming down and, you know, you know how these things are in the hospitals. And so they brought me in, they laid me down on the table after giving me the spinal tap. And within, within a moment or so, um, I couldn't breathe. And so that my diaphragm was basically frozen because I had a, a high spinal which later when I read about the significance of that, it was really scary because your heart can actually freeze from those. And so um, I didn't know any of this, of course, but I just knew here I am laying on the, on the bed. My daughter's about to be born. I can't breathe. Someone has a bag over my face. I'm going in and out of consciousness and I'm, I'm basically negotiating with the anesthesiologist through, through gasps to put me out and to intubate me because I think I'm going to die. And so it was like this very dramatic, very fast moment. It was like Jack Johnson music was on when I was in there. We're all happy. We're getting ready. And then all of a sudden now I'm not breathing. And so in that moment, I had I really did sort of pass out. I went into like this this sort of like darkness and I had this feeling wash over me in my body of just pure rage and anger and frustration. And the, the words, you know, I'm just not doing it. I'm not doing it. And what I realized in that little blip of a moment was that I had been abandoning myself in my life, that I had literally walked away from what my truth was. And and it was this, this moment of incredible clarity. And within that moment, it's like it transitioned from me having that, uh, that awakening, that realization and that frustration of just like, you're not doing it, but you're not doing it. You've abandoned yourself. This is not what, this is not your destiny. Um, to a, an out of body experience where I could see my parents in the waiting room. I could see my husband in the, uh, in the room with his scrubs on, like looking at the camera, getting the settings ready. And I could see myself. And in that moment of seeing myself, I just felt this, the, the, the feeling sort of shifted into this, this overwhelming um, wave of love and gratitude, because it was like, I saw these people I love so much. And I saw, I saw how scared they were. And that they were, they, and they didn't even know what was happening. Right. And just this feeling within me of you, you are so loved, you know, whether that was like, you're so loved by the humans that are in your life right now, or so loved by God and spirit in the universe, or I don't know what exactly it was, but I just felt this overwhelming sense of love and gratitude and appreciation for what my life had been up to that point. And no matter what, I just, that was all that was there and that everything was going to be okay. And I, 
I just purely surrendered into that moment. And within that moment of surrender, my breath came back literally in that moment. It was like a snap in that moment. And, um, it was like, I could just see everything in the room again. I could breathe. It was, it was like normal. And they, the anesthesiologist yelled at the surgeon. He said, go, go, go. And so then they started the procedure and, and then within minutes, Ani was born. Wow. And, and, and I was too, you know, I was too in a whole new way. Do you know, I, I read your story, but it didn't go into the detail. You just went to that. And I've got tingles all over my entire body. That is such a uh, moving and strong story. It's, it, it really what sounds like it was a big awakening. Would it you was. call it a near-death experience? Yeah, I would. I would call it that. Um, because my father, actually, um, I grew up in a, a little – he was a very stoic, old-school kind of man, and he had a near-death experience when he was 27, and he explains it just like you did. Wow. Amber, oh, that gives me very chills. Very much like that. Wow. And um, yeah, and he never really spoke about it because, like I said, he was a very stoic man. Yeah. But he honestly, right down to the fact that he felt the rage and then the love, yeah. right down to exactly what you're saying. That's, that's wow. amazing to me. Yeah, wow. That, I, no one has ever said, shared anything like that with me. So thank you yeah. because that because that's what it was. And, and I left that operating room with this deep knowing inside. It was like, I didn't need to, I, you know, and, and mind you, nobody knew any of this, no, right? You looked, no you, one knew, no one husband, knew what state you were on on that table. Yeah. And my husband had no idea. I, he didn't even know that I, that actually happened because he didn't get to see her reborn because he couldn't come in. And so it was so funny after you know, I'm just sitting there reeling with like all these things that just happened, but also in the swirl of the, of now, like being pushed out of the operating room and my husband's there and I have a baby in my arms and everyone's taking her from me and doing things with her and buzzing around. And the first thing the anesthesiologist said to my husband was, uh, she could breathe the whole time, you know? And I, and I was laying there in the bed, like what is happening right now? And I just remember being like, wait, no, that's not true. A. And then also like, I realized that Ben didn't know that any of this stuff just happened, that there was no human being besides me and the anesthesiologist and the surgeon and the the nurses in there that knew that there was anything that just went down in that room. And it was just this, it was very surreal. So it took me a while to really come to terms with all of, all of it, you know, and and really enormity of it, Amber. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, I, I went forth from there just knowing that, things were not the same. They could never be the same. Um, but I also gave myself the grace to know that I didn't have to figure it all out right in that moment. So I think it's important to mention that to the listeners that, you know, so that was, I, I wheeled out of there in late August and went back to work in early December because I didn't have it figured out because I really took that time to be on maternity leave. And frankly, it was the first time in my entire life, my entire life that I had taken off three months of time because I was a division one athlete. So what that meant as a child was that I played on three teams year round traveling all over the place. And I never, ever stopped. So my family stopped doing vacations when I was like 11, 12, 13 years old. And we were always going to my tournaments and I was always playing. And then I worked in division one athletics. So that machine continued for 10 more years of my life. So I had never actually had any physical time off from doing Um, and so I let myself be on maternity leave and be with my daughter. And, um, I didn't end up starting my business until eight months after she was born. And around that is when I, when I left and all that, we can talk about more detail there, but I just, that, that window and that time, you have to give yourself that time, um, to really birth what is, what was in, what you're intended to create truly. 
I, I love that point. I love that point that you had a knowing, but at the same time, you didn't have all the answers in that moment. You just right. had that knowing. I love that. So I do want to talk a little bit more about how you finally found that courage to step out because I know that when you went back to work, you found that really trying. Mm -hmm. And then how did you eventually find that courage to step away from what was the security of your corporate job and the security of that income? How did you go into the unknown? And can you talk us through that process for you um, and what it felt like a little bit? Yeah, it was really scary. And I think, you know, there were, there were, um, beautiful stories and gifts given to me over and over again, that were reminders that, that this wasn't the right place for me to be for, for the long haul. Right. And so there were very challenging trying situations as you, as you alluded to. And I think that I let myself just experience them and I definitely had less graceful moments than others with it all. Um, but I think I, I had to let myself get to the point where the, the change became the only option because I was just so frustrated and so stuck in, in all of those things. Um, I had to let myself get really frustrated and recognize that that frustration was part of, was part of that gift because it was what forced me to change, right? If we're comfortable, we don't change. We're comfortable. We just sit where we are. And so, um, for people that are listening, you know, if you're just comfortable, then, then you're not actually going to change. And I was so, I was just so aligned with what I knew to be true around how my life could look and feel differently around what I knew I had to share with others, even though even that sometimes felt foggy, um, I was so convicted to create a different type of life. And I had the added, I had the added spark and, and benefit of being a mom of a young child who was growing at the most rapid pace you could possibly imagine. And the, the, the finish line for me was like, I don't want to miss her words and her steps and her anythings. And, and I know for the moms listening that have, it's, it's so heartbreaking and it's, and it's so gut wrenching to hear a daycare provider say something to you like, Oh, she took her first steps today, you know? And, and I know what that means emotionally. And I just didn't want that to be our reality. I really, really wanted to be here. And, um, and so, so it was like, you know, I, I, I did an online. So here's some of the, the things that really helped me was I did an online course and I gave myself permission to make that investment in that course, which was a big freaking deal at the time. That was a, it was a $2,000 investment and it put me into a, a brand new space of people and entrepreneurs that I had never had any experience with before online entrepreneurs. And I did that course. And through that experience, I met incredible people. I met incredible people online. I had someone who took me on as a coaching client and she supported me and was with me through the, through the process. She ironically was a um, former human resources professional in her corporate career. So she knew how to help me quit my job. And it was like, I just, the universe just knew exactly what I needed and provided it and, and gave it to me. And I think my responsibility in that equation was to trust was to, to trust each of these things that were being delivered to me and not, again, I've said this word, these words three times now, not freak out, um, because I was being guided. And, and I think that that fearless faith, that titanium trust, as I like to call it, um, is one of the most important parts of these equations. If you know in your soul what it is you really want, you can't question it. You have to trust it. You, the thing that you have to, that you have to kind of spend more time on is just allowing the how to unfold versus forcing it or pushing it or trying to, you know, um, strangle it in a lot of ways. And that's what we do because we get really impatient. And the reality is, is we're not born walking. 
We're, right? It takes a lot of time. I love that because I'm just kind of chuckling at my own entrepreneurial journey. And I also came out of corporate and moved into uh, my own business. And I'm a control freak, right? Yeah. And I have also been, um, I've also achieved throughout my life. And when I started my own business, Amber, just like you're saying, like I was trying to run when I was like, <laughs> I've got to let this grow naturally. Like you can't force something. And I am impatient. And so those were a lot of the emotions I had to manage in myself as I stepped into my business and allowed it the room to grow. Yeah. And I think the other, the other really big thing is that um, when you're new, you want to download every single free thing under the sun and join every course and listen to all these other people who, who you perceive as being so much better and uh, than you and in more experience and all those things. And they may be more experienced than you, but it doesn't mean that they're better than you. And it doesn't mean that they, that they're going to be able to serve better than you. Because the reality is, is we all have a unique gift to share. And, you know, I found quite a niche in the area around this, the soul based branding and the soul field CEO stuff, because that is the, my truth. And I have so many clients that will come to me and say, you know, I want to do X, Y, and Z. And, and I follow so-and-so and I love what she's doing. And, and they, they just become these sort of diluted versions of other people rather than being the most powerful versions of themselves. I could not agree more. Amber. I absolutely, I see it in um, the coaching industry and space as well. And nobody has better answers than you have for yourself. And that's why I really resonate with your energy because I know that you are pulling people up into their own power Mm -hmm. and helping guide them on that journey, which is why I love what you do. Thank you for that. And it's so much fun because you get to watch people believe in themselves wholly for maybe the first time, you know, and I think the other, the other really important part is that, um, we are our own, um, our former selves are essentially our clients. And so by going inward and, and really tapping into, you know, what did I need and what did I not have and how can I create services and offerings for, for my former self? And so that's really what that's been the crux of a lot of the work I'm doing. The reason why I've structured my academy program the way that I have, it's because it was it's a resource that I didn't have available to me and I had to figure it all out the really hard way. Uh, alone, uh, mostly, you know, mostly alone. And so I, if I can save somebody that headache, I mean, it's not for the sake of, I want to, I still push my clients and they still have to learn their own things because if I spoon feed you, then that's not benefiting anybody, but it's, it's providing more resources and more infrastructure and more support across the board so that you're not, you don't feel like you're just swimming in open water by yourself all the time. So a question for you around your transition, was that like a big bang moment for you? You said the frustration has got so big that now it's time for me to leap or were you sort of bridging your transition between the two, between corporate and your own business? So we, um, Ben and I were very, um, clear about it in terms of prepping and planning. And we started a little spreadsheet, which had our family budget in it. And and he created it so that you could take like one column out and it would show what the income was without me and what it was with, with just his income and, you know, vice versa. And then we kind of figured out what my number was. And that was really powerful. It was like, what is my number? And what does that translate to in the number of clients that I need to be working with in a month? And so we got very clear on that because then I was able to manifest that. Right. So if I, you have to know what you want. And so I think that's like, let's just like pause for a second and zoom out and say, whether it's launching your own business or going to work with somebody else and doing a partnership or something or moving to a different corporate job, whatever that happens to be, 
you have to know what it is you want. You have to be clear on it, what it is you want. And this is the really important part I was thinking about before we got on today. It's not getting clear on what you want for the sake of avoiding what you don't want. It's wanting what you really want all the way. I so, love that. Yeah. It's wanting so it's saying, what you really want all the way. Not trying to run away from something else. That's right. So stop editing your desires because you think it's all you can actually have. And we do that in such, we do that so much, right? We do that all the time. If you want the Mercedes, get the Mercedes. You only live one time. Go, if you want to eat the cupcake, eat the freaking cupcake. Stop trying to like have the salad and then have all the salsa and chips and all these other things when all you can think about at that table is the stupid cupcake. Just get it, right? And so- I've really just tried to to live my life in that particular way. And it's like, well, what is the ideal scenario, Amber? And I will tell you, and it's funny because I was um, recently in May of this year, I was in the hot seat with Abraham Hicks and, and Esther was asking me directly. Yeah. You know, synchronicity abounds there. And, and I, I had this realization in that conversation that I, I wasn't really crystal clear on what it was I actually wanted. I kind of just like danced around it. You know, I danced around different categories, but would tell myself the story that I couldn't quite have something. And so I would just dilute it a lot, a lot, a lot. And so number one, it's getting really clear on what you want. And for me, I knew I wanted to be a coach. I knew I wanted to have my own business. I knew I wanted to be home with my daughter. Um, I didn't know how those things were going to flesh out, but I, but I did know I wanted that. And there was one particular day um, that I got in a, a not so fun meeting with, with my, with my boss's boss. And, um, and he gave me an incredible blessing and gift that day by being very hard on me and making it really an unpleasant circumstance because I walked out of there with a fire in my eye and, and my teeth gritting. And I walked back to my office and I started putting stuff in my bag and my secretary came out and she popped her head in and she was like, where do, are you doing what I think you're doing? And I said, yep, I am. And so I didn't just like quit that moment. I went home fuming on fire and it was, and it was like, it wasn't, I wasn't mad at him. I was, it wasn't about that. It was, it was the about, giant nudge you needed from the universe yeah, to it say was like, it's I time. I had to get Amber. that kick in the butt. And it was saying like, this is not going to get any better here, Amber. And it's going to feel worse and worse and worse every day. You have to make the shift now. This is time for you to go now. And, and I had one client, I had one client on the books. And by the time I left, you know, I stayed for another month because they needed me to do a ton of training for people. And I, um, I had four clients by the time I left. I love your story. I just, I find it really empowering. Um, and yeah, inspirational. So I know now you work with a lot of women who are mainly women, right? Who are setting up their businesses. And do you see similar or reoccurring themes in the resistance they feel? And are they similar to what you've just described or are there different ones? Yeah, I I would say that they, um, they are, well, uh, okay, so so many of us perpetuate stories from our childhoods and from our parents. So our parents' reality becomes ours and we, and we edit our life, not just like our feelings we edit the way that we show up in our life, according to those very base beliefs. And so I actually spent a lot of time with my clients on dissecting that and cracking into that and talking about, you know, the history of what what the baggage that they're carrying with them. 
Um, and, and it's funny because if you had asked me if I thought I would be doing that in my coaching, even just a few months ago, I probably would have been like, I don't know, but it's, it's really where we, 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 it's like, we always go there. We always go there because it's like this really freeing experience for people to recognize that, you know, that, that love that they were craving from somebody that they couldn't get, they're trying to find it in other ways now when the reality is they could just give it to themselves. And so I think for me, my lifelong um, challenge, my deepest fear was that I, that I'm not worthy of unconditional love. I'm not worthy of unconditional love. And worst of all, I'm not worthy of my own love. And this journey as an entrepreneur has been this opportunity for me to, to work on that and to give myself my own love for the first time truly in my life. And when I can share that with other, with my clients and they can infuse more of themselves into their work, they, they, suddenly shift everything. Everything changes in the way that they show up in their world and the way that they're attracting um, the right people to them, the right connections and collaborations, um, the right answers, all of those things. And so it's, it's really about consciousness for me and helping my clients become more conscious about what it is that they're doing, how they're showing up and how they can shift it so they can step into their full power. Oh, so good. So Amber, in terms of practical advice, what would be an exercise or a point that you would offer our listeners to help them really move forward on their journey? Yeah. So I think that the most valuable advice I could possibly offer for anybody at all, no matter where they are on their personal development journey or spiritual journey or wherever they are, corporate or otherwise, would be to ask them Tomorrow morning when they wake up, before they touch their phone, their device, their electronics, they interact really with anybody or anything, would be to just sit up, get quiet, put your hands on your heart, start by thinking about things you're grateful for, like over and over, just think about everything you're grateful for and just getting grounded in that gratitude space and that appreciation in that state and breathe into your body and feel your body be in your body. And then from that place, ask yourself the question, what, what does my soul need? And just wait and don't judge it and don't force the answer. Just listen and be quiet and keep those eyes closed and breathe into that answer. And you might get an answer like, I need more time. I need, I need to be quiet. I need nature. I need space. I need love. You know, and I, and I know that no matter what that answer is, you're also going to get a vision with it. You're going to get something, whether you hear it, whether you see it, whether you just feel it in your body. And you're going to have clarity and you're going to know what that is. And the more you can practice that, the more you can practice going inward. It doesn't have to be in first thing in the morning, though, that is the best. But you could do it at your desk, you know, when you're trying to make a decision about something, you know, and, and I, I've always had that intuition, I think. In a, in, but now I'm, I can call it up and I know what it is and I trust it in such a, a more pure way than ever before. Oh, I love that. Um, yeah, I do. I think that we have the answers we seek if we yes. stop to tune in and listen. I really yes. believe that. So what do you think is important to consider when you're making a significant life change? Mm. I mean, obviously the practical stuff, right? Because I'm, I'm super, you know, spiritual and all that stuff, but I'm also super practical. I'm a That's Virgo. one of the reasons I really appreciate you because I think you marry the two really well. Thank you for that. Yeah. I'm a firstborn Virgo. Um, you know, so all these things, I'm a recovering control freak. All these things are, um, 
part of the equation. And I love that I'm allowing myself to just relax into more of my answers and to, into allowing in a much bigger way and receiving and all of that. But from a practical standpoint, when you're in the place of being somewhere where you're not happy, um, one, you got to figure out the, how you're going to pay your bills. How are you going to pay that mortgage? And also I love the exercise of, you know, I'm big into like just streamlining and feng shuiing and like really getting things kind of aligned. Um, what can you get rid of? What can you, can you downsize on, on the house or the car or, you know, can you, what can you, what can you cut out to, to fuel and invest in what it is you really want? Right. So we never looked at the sacrifices that we were making back then as sacrifices because we thought of it all as like, this is, this is how we're going to create the reality that we desire so deeply. And that was an investment in the future that we really wanted. So I would say that that's probably the number one thing because, you know, that's how you, how you survive, right. Is keeping the lights on and and paying the mortgage. Um, from there, I would say, if you can hire someone, talk to someone, work with someone, don't try to do this by yourself because you're just not going to have the clarity and the creativity to figure out what it is that you're really the best, best, best at and how to put that into practice. I I just, I mean, over and over and over again, I've seen so many people who just keep trying to do it themselves and, and then it just takes so much longer. So hire someone for a shortcut. If you're trying to get fit in, in, in a quick way, you hire a trainer because you're not an expert at that. Same thing goes with launching a business, hire someone to help you do that more quickly and to tap into your skills and your gifts so they can use all of their knowledge to make it go faster for you. I love those points. I think they're really good points. So now I've got like a little intermission and I know we've spoken about this, how I totally like stole one of Amber's questions and didn't even realize it. So when we get to that question, I will let you know. Um, (laughs) But to start with Amber, would you consider yourself a morning person or a night person? Definitely a morning person. Love my mornings. You're the second, you're only the second interviewee I've had and you're both morning people and I'm just such a night person. I almost fell off my perch the first person who said that they were a morning person. I think morning. I might be. Love it. I live on, I live on a lake. So the serenity of that. And also, um, the, the sort of backstory to that is my grandfather used to have a cottage up on a lake and we would go in the summertime and early, early in the morning, you could go outside and I don't know, no, you'd probably don't have common loons, um, in Texas. So there are these incredible birds that live in the more Northern areas of the country. And, um, they have this very haunting and beautiful call. And my grandfather was like a conservationist of the loons and he would go out in his boat and see them. And so if I got up really early, I could go with him and I could see the loons and hear them. And, and so it was really sacred to me. And so now we live on this beautiful lake and we have loons here, which is so symbolic and so powerful. And so I get up early because I want to hear them and I want to see them and I want to be on the water when it's like glass and there's nobody out and it's so quiet and I can watch the sunrise. And so that's for that alone, Kate, that's worth being a morning person. It sounds pretty good. It does. (laughs) So this is Amber's question, which I have now stolen and um, we'll give her full credit for. What's currently on your nightstand, Amber? Um, well, I also share that I borrow that from a friend too. So we're both good. We're just, we're just sharing the love all around. Yeah, It's all good. It's so all good. So on my nightstand, um, I believe I have an amethyst crystal at present. I have E squared and E cubed by Pam Grout. I have as, uh, Oh, what is the Abraham Hicks book? (laughs) Asking it is given is on there. And then the go giver is on my nightstand and, Oh, and this really amazing heart shaped rock that my husband and I found, 
um, on the beach where we got married on our wedding day. Oh, wow. That is a cool one. All right. What is your favorite self-care activity? Um, kayaking, going out in the, on the paddleboard or the kayak and just having that quiet and going out in the middle of the lake where no one is around me, like just having that space and, and having that space and place to have a conversation with myself that I really need to have. Very cool as well. Do you have a favorite book that you've read over, over all of your years of personal development? Yeah. You know, I've, I've read, I picked this one up a lot. It's called, um, as a man thinketh by James Allen. I haven't read that one. Oh, it's so good. Tony Robbins is one of his favorite books of all time. And he mentioned it at date with destiny and I picked it up and, um, it's like, I have people that ask to borrow my books and I'm like, mm, no, sorry. It, there's so much writing in them and so many things underlined. It's like, they're like my sacred babies. So I do the same thing, actually. Yeah. I'm like, no, you don't need to read my notes. <laughs> yeah. I'm you good. can see behind me all, you know, and then there's a lot more upstairs. So yeah, obsessed with books. Uh, do you have a favorite mistake from your past? Yeah. Or wrong turn. You might not call it a mistake. Yeah, I, I do. Um, I married the wrong person when I was 25 and, and it was okay, you know, and it was really, it was really okay. But ultimately, um, I ended up meeting my husband, um, because, because we lived in that neighborhood and, and it's just, it's so funny, you know, like how all these things sort of transpire and he is an amazing human being. And I reflect back on these stories of times when he was really like calling me out on my stuff and I couldn't see the forest for the trees. And I thought it was all him. And he was so right. I was so wrong. And so um, I'm so grateful for him as a teacher. And and he, you know, I, I he was he was so wise back then. And I just really wasn't. And you weren't ready for the teaching. I wasn't ready. No. And but I, I'm so grateful that I've been able to reflect back on it now and, and have the gratitude that I've had for it. And um, yeah, so that that definitely is it. What is one thing in your day you can't do without? Hmm. you know, and this is going to be hard because I'm going to be away next week, but going in and seeing my little girl in the morning and just loving her up first thing and being like that, that morning of just like, I'm so excited to see you every day. And as the soul fueled CEO, I think this one is very relevant. How would you describe the soul? Hmm. Oh, I love it. Um, the soul is, well, it is our it is our greatest gift. It is the embodiment of our internal, um, eternal being. It's, it is the, the most sacred part of who we are and it never, it never dies. It lives on forever and ever and ever. And I really believe that each life opportunity is just, um, further, further growth and, and, and greater space for ascension. So I consider myself to be an eternally a borning soul and, um, and I'm, and I love the learning and the journeys and the opportunity to reflect back on life experiences from this life. But it's so funny because I just, it's hard to believe that it's just from this life. Oh, I'm with you. I feel you on everything you just said. <sighs> okay. So back to, back to what we were talking about before. Um, it feels like strange to move on from those. I love those questions. Um, you have your own podcast called the soul, soul field ceo and it's one of my favorite podcasts and recently i listened to the interview you did with your husband ben and i loved it it's a must listen people it was so good and you two clearly have a very strong and supportive love story uh and it very much sounds to me like ben completely buys in and supports your dreams mm-hmm. but what would you say to other men or women whose partners can't see their vision 
or feel like making these bold changes that they're craving are too big of a risk. So Mm. in this, you can talk a little bit about your situation with Ben as well. I'd love you to do that. Yeah, thanks for that. That was really fun. And, you know, I think it was really vulnerable for both of us to put it out there like that. But we were really we just allowed ourselves to just be really honest and um, and very loving in the process because we knew it could help people and it would resonate in a lot of ways. And um, our relationship hasn't always been, you know, in that way where we've really had to work on the conversation and the language and the way we support each other's um, souls, really. I mean, you know, we're very different in many ways. We have very different outlooks on, um, achievement and, uh, on the, the things that we really want, but there's also, there's just this beautiful golden thread that is woven between us and in terms of what we really want and fulfillment is, is that right. Fulfillment is our ultimate goal and what we desire and family and being together and, and all of that. So, um, so I think that that question's a really good one. And we talked about it on that, on that episode and Ben gave some really great insights to it. And he, he really helped me better frame that because I've had many clients that have said, well, my husband doesn't support me or my husband says that I can't do the coaching program or whatever it happens to be. And I find that comes up a lot. Like that's probably one of the top two excuses. I'm going to call it that, um, that, that people, women that I work with say they can't step forward into creating the reality of what it is that they want. And so I think that, um, whether you're supporting your, your husband or your wife or partner or whatever on, on their journey, but they're, you feel like they're not supporting you on what it is that you want. I think there's two parts to it. And I think the first part is really looking in the mirror and taking responsibility for, um, how you are showing up to your partner. Does he or she really know what it is that you want? Have you been clear with them about it? Have you actually told the truth? Such a very good point because I think so many people keep it a secret and then expect their partners to mind read. But the reason why they keep it a secret is because they don't actually believe they can do it. And so instead of saying to their partner, I'm really scared about this, but I think this is really what I need to do. And I really want this. And I really need your support in taking this big step. I understand that this is going to be a little bit of a sacrifice for us financially for me to make this time investment or or whatever that's going to be, but I really need your support. Could we talk about how we can make this possible and can we plan together as a team for this? All of that, all of that. And so I, I challenge if you're listening to this and you're saying my partner doesn't support me, how can you bring them into the conversation in a more intimate way? How can you include them on your journey? Because they don't want to be left out either. It's such a good point. And I do, I think a lot of people expect their partners to be mind readers when they may be so much more accepting if you let them in to that space of vulnerability. And I think the other part is just to consider, you know, their own insecurities about themselves. And and a lot of times if they're just saying no to you right out of the gate, it's because they don't necessarily believe in themselves. And so they they want to protect you and they love you. And so they're trying to protect you from failure because they're so afraid of failure themselves. And so again, the only way to work through that is to connect with them and to have those intimate conversations and to, to work into it and try not to go straight to being frustrated and mad, be, like stomping your feet like the little girl that didn't get her way, because that's that's not going to solve anything. And the reality is, is that at the end of the day, you're an adult. No one can tell you what you can and can't do. Truly, truly. You have the opportunity to move in a different direction if that's what you need to do. And if you believe that you're never going to get buy-in from this person, this is this is just another, you know layer to that cake, then that's a different conversation, you know, and that's one you have to have with yourself. And that's a hard one. Um, if that's what the reality is, and that's really what you want for your life. But 
And I know that it's complicated and everybody's story is different, but I think personal responsibility is the, the most important factor here. That was such a powerful answer. And seriously, go back and listen to Amber's episode with her husband, Ben. It is really good. I really enjoyed that one. Thank you. Okay, so just wrapping up here, Amber, thank you so much for your time today. I found this really insightful, and I'm sure our uh, listeners will too. But what would your key pieces of advice be for anyone who is contemplating making big changes in their life? I would, first and foremost, I would encourage you to um, really dig into your own personal development in this process. And also um, ask yourself the question, why? Constantly. So I love, um, I love this exercise of, you know, when something's coming up, it's just asking yourself over and over and over again, why, you know, I feel, I feel scared about this. Well, why? And just going down the, down the sort of steps on it around why, 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 why? And you're going to find out at the, the very base of it often that it's because, you know, you are, you're afraid that you're not worthy of being loved. That's why you're so afraid of walking away from your corporate job. And because that is, that is ultimately like, I'll shortcut that for everybody here. That is everyone's deepest fear is that they're not worthy of love. Um, and, and so we let that, you know, sort of drive the bus on everything, but recognizing that you, you not abandoning yourself, you sticking with you on this journey, no matter what you being tethered to what you know to be true about yourself from that conversation you had when you closed your eyes and you went in when you asked what your soul needs, that is where everything comes from. And when you can really just allow yourself to trust that and lean into it and let it be your guide you can't go in the wrong direction. I just, you just can't. It is, it is at the basis of, of everything that every human needs because it is so stripped of ego and a desire for power and all of that. And frankly, you know, if we could ask every human being on the planet to do that, it'd be a very different world that we live in. I totally agree. Amber, I'm going to make sure that um, there's links to your websites and people can see the programs you offer and your uh, podcast as well. Great. And we didn't talk about it in the episode, but Amber is off to compete in Mrs. America, right, next week? Yeah. Yes, I am. That I'm is getting so on cool. a plane in two days and it's another opportunity for more learning and an adventure. I'm looking forward to, to hearing all about that. And um, I hope you document it a little bit and, and let us into that. Um, I will. I will be make sure that I write some blogs and I'll have it on Snapchat that. and all that. Yeah, that'd be great. I had so much fun having that conversation with Amber. If you're looking for how you can get in contact with Amber, I have all of her website links in the show notes or over on my website at thrive.how, that's H-O-W forward slash podcast 13 and that's the word podcast and number 13 but she's at amberliliestrom.com and her podcast is the soul fueled ceo i've also listed the books that amber mentions in this episode in the show notes so if you're interested in some more books on your shelf you'll have a few good recommendations there If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love if you could go and hit subscribe and take a moment or two to go and leave a review in iTunes. That's how iTunes works out whether a podcast is any good or not. So every single review really does mean the world to me. I'll be back next week with some more tips on how you can live the best version of your own life.